Support for this podcast comes from JCPenney. So you made your list, checked it twice, and are looking for deals that are oh so nice? You can count on JCPenney to find everything you need to make your holiday memorable at all the best prices. And the deals keep getting better with JCPenney's Cyber Days. Want the insider scoop on our best offers? Stay tuned for a little inspiration. Plus, learn how you can take an additional 35% off your order. Joy, comfort, peace. JCPenney. Support for this podcast comes from Pluto TV. Need an escape? Drop into Pluto TV for a world of free TV. Stream hundreds of channels and thousands of movies and shows all for free. Yeah, free. No subscriptions, no fees. Binge on 24-7 channels of Narcos, CSI, Star Trek, and everything from hit movies to the latest news, comedy, live sports, and more. Download the free Pluto TV app for Android, iPhone, Roku, or Fire TV and start watching now. Pluto TV. Drop in. Watch free. Hello, everybody. Recorded live from Chicago. This is the Classic Black Dude Podcast with your host, Clark Jones, a.k.a. Posh Schmidt. Live from Chicago. We took a little break, but we're back at... Uh, I don't know if you noticed, a lot's been going on, and uh, sometimes you just got to stop what you're doing and uh, pay attention to what's happening around you. Thank you to everybody who's listened um, to all uh, the episodes we've done. We have some great guests. I call that the first the first season, um, and this is the kickoff to the Who is Clark Jones series of the Classic Black Dude podcast. I'm slowly getting back into comedy, like stand-up. I'm doing some stand-up shows this week. And I'm going to reactivate my social media. I just had to take a mental break uh, for those that who've listened in the last, I don't know, six or seven podcasts. You know, I've started uh, therapy to deal with a lot of things that's happened, not only in the world, but it's happened personally from breakups to to grief to to moving, uh, traveling across country from L.A. to uh, Chicago. We got a very. Very special guest. You know, a lot of a lot of people, the thing to do nowadays is to not be able to separate uh, fact and opinion. People state opinions like they're facts and they talk about, oh, things used to be like this or this used to be like that. And it's like, you don't know. You weren't there in the 60s. You talk about how Dr. King was. People talk about how the how Lyndon B. Johnson was and how the seventies was. And they say like, it didn't used to be like that. And Chicago's like this. And we talk about knowing a lot of things that we were not there to see. So I guess today is somebody who has seen all of the things we talk about knowing, but don't know. I guess today is Nettie B. Porter, AKA my grandma. How you doing Nettie? I'm doing well. Thank you. <laughs> I get to call you that just once because it's my podcast. Uh, but uh, yeah, we we've uh, we've I don't even know where to start. So I'm gonna let you start. Can you just give us like you just celebrated 86th birthday, 85 birthday, 85, 85th. Mm-hmm. 85th birthday, September 23rd, 22nd, 22nd. Oh, I got it right on the day. I didn't get it right on the show. <laughs> But I got it right the day I called. And uh, born in... Uh, Mississippi, Intanola, Mississippi. Intanola. Intanola. There was a little town out from um, where B.B. King used to... Where he hailed from as a little town about three or 400 miles from there called Intanola, Mississippi. Wow. That's where I was born. Is that How far is that from Jackson? Well, I don't really know. I haven't been to Jackson, but my parents... 
My father was born in Jackson, so it's a ways from Jackson. It's a ways from Jackson. Is yeah. it like closer to the water? Is it closer to? Like, I think it's closer to. Well, if you know anything about Greenwood, Mississippi, Greenwood, okay, it's sort of more near, I believe, Greenwood than Intanola, okay. Mississippi. You know. Okay, and when when was the last time you were there? Oh, I was there. Uh, my daughter and her husband took me to Mississippi. I say about four years ago when we went to see his parents in Memphis. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we come from a lot of Chicago people. The Great Migration. Yeah, from, we all came from Mississippi, yes. Alabama. All the Florida people, black folks, went to the Carolinas or New York, and then uh, Texas. Yeah, they went to California, but we are part of that Mississippi line. Yes, and yes. Alabama line. Um, when did you? How old were you when you all left? Okay, when we uh, came from um, Itabina, Mississippi, that's about twelve miles out from Greenwood. Uh, I was about, uh, I say. 13 years old. You were 13 when the family my, just said we... we. My dad was here prior to the family moving here. He had found a place here in Chicago, and um, he sent for us, and we came. And uh, I found it very exciting because living in the South, that's all I knew. And when I got here, uh, my speech was Southern and... <laughs> They made fun of me. It was other. Yeah, I went to school and they would tease me about mm. how I pronounced words, you know, my pronunciation. So it was pretty rough until I got in the swing of things. I went to school at DuSable on 51st and State at that time. It was DuSable High School. Oh, okay. So, so you were third, so you were just starting high school. Yes. Anyway, okay. Mm-hmm. And how did y'all, like, how did y'all? Uh, get up here? Was it a bus? Well, you know what? Uh, during that time, uh, our uncle had a car. He lived in Chicago. Okay. And he came down to get us. And okay. maybe the younger people don't know, like you don't know, that we packed our lunch in a shoebox, as you say. We had fried chicken, cake, and bread. Uh-huh. And so it was about four or five kids. At that time, it was only four or five. Yes. But mama had how many kids? Had kids. She had a um, total of 12 kids. 12 kids. Okay. Uh-huh. And you were the oldest. I, I'm the oldest. Yeah. And so we arrived in Chicago. We were, we saw the lights. We were very excited, mm. you know, and it was just it was just excitement at first, you know. Yeah. Excitement just, and it- fearful because when I started school, I had to ride on a trolley bus. <laughs> with horses? No, Charlie with a line that they had a track. Oh, like a, uh, a track. like they have in the middle of the street. Yes. In, okay. Yes. I at that time we were living on the west side, what we call Roosevelt Road, right off of Roosevelt Road, mm-hmm. and I had to walk to Ashland to get to Charlie to ride to Fifty First and st- State. That's where Dusaba was located at that time, and that's where I had to go to school. So it was quite a ride. Did. Now, a lot of people have known Chicago over the years, that area where the the projects weren't built yet, right? This was before that. This was still when it was just an area with houses and the high school. And DuSable was all black, right? Yes, at that time, yes. But you had white teachers? Uh, Some black. You had some black teachers back then? Yeah, some white and some black. Wow, okay. Uh Now, did you, um, you were coming from the west side of Chicago to the south side. What, was there differences 
between the west side and the south side back then? Yeah, well, far as I was told, um, people normally came from the south. They said they settled on the west side. Okay. And somehow they made a difference from in the west side and the south side. We were told that people on the south side thought they were more than the people that was on the west side. They still do. People so, they call they call west side as Bamas. Yes. Yeah, so. like y'all, y'all, you know, they because I taught on the west side when I taught <laughs> high school, and it's still like that today. Okay. South siders think that they're better than than the west siders, but west siders are nice people. Well, my experience now the west side i don't hear so much about what's different about the west side and the south side now they telling me that the west side is more close to downtown so they're recognizing the west side for as i'm concerned more so now than they did then because the, the west side is more close to downtown well they didn't push Black people on the west side, further west. Yes. So further down Austin and mm-hmm. in, in that area. Right. And, you know, west side before used to be like, even when I was in high school at Whitney Young, uh, Ashland and uh, Van Buren was the west side back then. But that's like, yeah. you know, it's the loop now. Right. Amen. Yeah. yeah. So right. the more, it's all about what you name things to get people to pay too much rent to, yes. to move down yes. there. So the west side now is like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like Damon. You got to yeah. go Damon and further to be really, really on the West side. But uh, so like one, one of the things that people really, when they talk about the South and they talk about coming up North, they talk about like, it's a different type of racism in the South. People are more direct about like, well, we just don't have black people over here, but up here it's like, they'll say, well, we just not hiring right now. So it's a little bit more, it's like more loops you got to jump through to, to get to the point. Did you find that like in dealing with white people that you had to go about it in a different way between the South and coming up to Chicago? Well, I'm, I agree with you when you say that the South white people were more open. They say they don't like you. They didn't hide it. They just didn't like you. They would tell mm-hmm. you, they would treat you different. Now, up north, I find that they pretend more like they like you. <laughs> right. But in essence, they still separate the white from the black. You still don't get the same schooling, I would say. You don't get the same, um, well, housing. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you don't get the same education, but they try not to let it be known. They use their pencil mm-hmm. to segregate you. The red lining, yeah. If you don't go to school and get this knowledge and learn, you are given, you're pushed back. You're given the hardest tests to take in school. You're given, you're being interviewed different from a white person and trying to get, and getting a job, mm-hmm. even housing, mm. you know. But now somebody, now I'm familiar with our story. Because if somebody knows our story, they'll say, well, well, your dad, my great grandfather, he was able to come to Chicago and he opened his own store on the West Side. So he was able to be a entrepreneur. Right. Well, he. OK, this is how my father um came by that store. He worked in the store for this Jewish man. Mm-hmm. 
and they liked him. He was a butcher. He was a a tra- he wasn't he didn't go to school for butchering. He was trained to be a butcher. So mm. he was butchering in this Jewish store, I would say. And um, when they dis- when blacks start moving in, they began to move out. So he s- told my dad that he would let him have the store and show him how to run the you know mm-hmm. run the store and keep books and stuff like that. And he did. And so that's how my father got the store. So yeah, he became an entrepreneur he, by this yeah. person helping him get the store because he gave almost gave it to him just to move out the area. That's I always um, I always just think about that story because you know even today, you know black folks will say, "Well, we can't have nothing, we can't do nothing." But in that time, do you think that was? Because he was able to, he was able to get his own store. Sure, a Jewish man had to give it to him, mm-hmm. right? But I didn't, I didn't have the relationship with uh, Daddy, your father, um, like a lot of my cousins did. We just, I just didn't go over there that much. Did he give lessons on like, okay, this is how you deal with non-black people, or this is how you deal with white people too? Cause it's always that thing where it's like, all right, you can't be too uppity, you know, because it'll, it'll make them scared or they're fearful. Did he give you lessons on this is when you go out in the world, this is how you act? Yes, he did. Now my dad was from old, old country, not old country, but old school. Like, okay. He would say yes, sir. And no, sir. Where we didn't want to, say yes sir and no sir when we came up north yeah but he brought that (laughs) from the south support for this podcast comes from american express who is proud to be backing 100 black women entrepreneurs like reese scott who founded a boxing community for women boxing helps women and girls to build their confidence or taylor long who founded a clothing brand for all everyone should have access to the same style of clothing no matter their size 100 Black Women Entrepreneurs, 100% backing of American Express Business. Meet the 100 at AmericanExpress.com slash 100 for 100. All right, we're back on Classic Black Dude. We're talking about lessons that our parents give us, especially in places like Chicago. Um, Black kids being taught on how to act out in the world. He taught us. He taught us what he had learned from his parents. When he came up north, he never did stop saying yes, sir, and no, sir. Mm -hmm. And he would tell us to say that. But we decided that we didn't want to say it. But he would tell us that that would keep (laughs) us out of a lot of trouble. Yeah. You know, although we don't have to say this, but it would be wise if we did. If I go into a store and there was a white person behind the counter and I asked for whatever I'm going for, I would say, yes, ma'am. He would teach us to say yes, ma'am and no, ma'am. Because Chicago is the place where the most famous uh, or infamous Mississippi to Chicago with Emmett Till. Mm-hmm. And with that, that white woman came out later and said, yo, OK, I made all that up. How did... How did everybody react 
when the Emmett Till thing happened? Well, can I begin uh, by saying that I went to the school in Money, Mississippi, where Emmett Till was. Um, That's where he was from. Killed. Oh, he was he was killed. Yeah, he was visiting was, from Chicago. Right. To, oh, I was in okay. In Money, Mississippi, I went to that school. I used to cross that same river every day on the school bus coming from where I stayed to Money, Mississippi, to that school. And the school, the store that he supposed to have said some things to this white person was the school that I used to go up there on my lunch break and get my little 10 cent crackers and bologna. That's 10 cent? That's a lot. Was that? It'd be, that's a lot. Cent, something like <laughs> that. That got be nickel. Yeah, something like that. But I attend that school and I went to that store that he supposedly said something to this white lady and was killed. And yeah, they they uh they tracked him down and they beat him and they mm-hmm. drowned him and uh, his mom had the open casket. Yeah. So yes. everybody could see what they had, had did done. Yes. Yes. To her son. Yes. And how did how did that how did that affect you? What was your it mind? It did. It really, although I was young, but it affected me really bad because I just couldn't understand. What he said that would want him to be um, mutilated like that. I would use it. Maybe mutilated is not the. Yeah. They, mut- okay. they beat him. Mut- yeah. Like disfigured him. Yeah. And- so it, it hurt my heart. It really did. Uh-huh. And then I was even more careful. And I thought about what my dad taught us. Yes, ma'am. And no, ma'am. That came back mm. to me. It always come back to yeah. mm-hmm. Emmett Till. Yeah. And like, uh-huh. It's, um, that's why I think about even with today. You know, the video is supposed to say, all right, they're guilty. But if anything, video just puts more fear to almost keep us in line. It's almost like a commercial for acting the right way. It's like this could happen to you and the police got away with it. Yes. And, you know, we um, I'm not going to say too much on the police, but my (laughs) father's always told us if you get stopped. Yes, sir. No, sir. Obey whatever they tell you to do mm-hmm. so you can. Later see you another day. Amen. That was, that's, that was his word, you know. Um, I know we, we talk about where we open talking about like, because it relates to what's going on now. But like, what was the fun like back then oh, wow. coming from Mississippi <laughs> to Chicago? Coming from Mississippi to Chicago. How did y'all kick it back? Um. We we settled on the west side. I was on the west okay. side. Okay. I I grew up on the west side. I was 16, 17. I got married when I was 18. But um I didn't socialize too much. My dad didn't allow that. He was a Christian man. So we didn't socialize. That was one of the things we missed. You socialized in church though. That was the only thing. That's yes, the only thing. Church, yeah. church, but other than church I never went to a party. Never went to one. Uh uh-uh. uh. After hours. The whole time, no. I, no. <laughs> Kickback. Uh uh-uh. uh. Only after I got married. Oh, okay. Okay. And I, okay. I, I think that's why I got married so early. You know, so I you think could, about it. You got married to have freedom. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. It's funny how that worked. Yes. <laughs> it was about getting, that was, how, that was the only way you could leave the house, right? Yes, the only way. We only could go to church. And uh, back home. 
And if you know anything about where we stayed, the church was right next door. There was a store between where we lived and the church because the church is New Zion Baptist Church and it's still there now. That's the church. And we lived next, at that time, we lived, it was a store called McGuire's Store. And then next to the store was where we live, right here. So we went to New Zion Church. So y'all didn't, y'all, y'all life was two blocks. It was, yeah. It was the store, home, and church. That's it. That's it. Was that, was that all because of Christianity or was that to protect y'all from going too far or getting into trouble? Like, like what, what do you think that was really about? Well, I'm going to tell you what dad said uh, to me. He said he had six girls and um, four boys at the time. And um, he was trying to keep a close range on his girls. Of course. And, you know, six girls, you know, and he said he realized where he could have been, he could have done better, but it was too late then, Mm. you know, but uh, he was trying to keep us from, well, Fact is, keep us from getting pregnant, which that don't keep you from getting pregnant. <laughs> keep as soon as you get a little freedom, you do everything that you couldn't do Amen. before. That's it. So <laughs> that was the that was it. He he was, and then Chris Danger played a, a very big important part in that as well. Mm-hmm. You know, because he felt like this, and back then they felt that you weren't supposed to have fun just because you was. A follower of Jesus Christ. You weren't supposed to have fun. That was. Yeah, 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 right. But I learned later in life that you can be a Christian, because I am a Christian, and have fun. It's just certain. Do y'all hear that? You can believe in God and have fun and for have everybody fun. listening. <laughs> That's words words from an elder. And now it depends on what kind of fun you have, because yeah. I tell, they ask me, do I go to parties when I'm not at my age now, but when I was about 15 or 20 years younger. I said, yeah, but I got a different uh, dancing partner. Okay. That's, and Jesus that's how Christ you... is my dancing partner now. He always with you. Always. Okay. We're going to take a quick break here on Classic Black Dude. Talking to my grandmother, Nettie B. Porter, 85 and strong. Uh, we'll be right back. Support for this podcast comes from Microsoft Teams. Now there are more ways to be a team with Microsoft Teams. Bring everyone together in one space with a new virtual room. Collaborate live, drawing, sharing, and building ideas with everyone on the same page. And make sure more of your team is seen and heard with up to 49 people on screen at once. Learn more about all the newest Teams features at Microsoft.com Teams. Hey, I'm Kat Lasso. I'm Xavier Jernigan. And I'm Speedy Mormon. And together, we're the hosts of Spotify's new morning show, The Get Up. Every day, we're bringing you the biggest news stories and pop culture headlines. Ooh, and the conversations you need to be in on. Okay. Don't worry. If you're not a morning person, we're doing the work for you. So just search The Get Up, hit play, and listen up for everything you need to know. With a playlist made just for you. Listen now for free, only on Spotify. Okay, we are back here on Classic Black Dude in the Who is Clark Jones series, Clark World. We're talking to my grandmother, Nettie B. Porter, about coming up. I, I just found out she would frequent the same store as Emmett Till, the uh, young black man who was killed visiting from Chicago for allegedly, um, which turned out to be false, falsely accused of whistling at a white woman in the store. And they, uh, it was a big thing. It's in shockwaves. I mean, mm-hmm. even if you know that 
there's an evil that exists, it still it still has an effect on you when you see it happen right in front of you. When things happen today, I could say all day that, you know, we could be very familiar with police brutality and all of that. But then when you see it, you're like, you can't believe that that thing has actually happened. So that thing's been happening for a long time. We're talking about the difference between the South and coming up to Chicago, this city with the lights and the city where Duke Ellington and all the jazz artists would come to Bronzeville and living on the West side. And she said she didn't party till she left <laughs> the house. till She got married. She wasn't free till she got married. And uh, so you got married at, at 18. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got married at 18. And we couldn't, we still couldn't vote yet. Well, you couldn't vote no, yet, no, right? No, no, no. I, I, I didn't vote. Uh-uh. You couldn't vote till like, because that was 40. If you say about 75, 40, 1948 is about when you came to um, Chicago, because you say you were 13, you're 85 now. So that was about 77 years ago or 72 years ago, something like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's about 1948. And that's when. That's when Dr. King started to be on the scene a little bit and get out there. Had you, what, what, do you remember the first time you heard of Dr. King? I, I heard of him when I started school. Mm-hmm. And I heard him speak. We had a TV and a radio, but it was on maybe radio or TV when I first really heard him speak mm. and start to really listening to what he had to say. Was it, cause they make a big deal about him now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was it, was it like, like what was his rock star level back then? Like this black man from Georgia who's leading these marches and leading these protests. Like did, was everybody like in awe of Dr. King back then? Well, um, they well the people that I was around and there wasn't many. Mm-hmm. You know, my family. Um we were saying and also they were saying that we hope that he don't get killed even then. The same thing I'm saying about Obama. Yeah. <laughs> like, we hope we hope they don't kill uh-huh. him. The bigger you go, the more they like <laughs> right. We hope they don't kill him. Right. That's what we were saying because he was out there uh talking and he was speaking what the white people at the time didn't want to hear. You know, mm-hmm. and he didn't he didn't worry too much from his speech about his life that I heard about his personal life. Mm-hmm. He was trying to get it out there and let us know what was happening and what we could we how we could do better. OK, you know, did you, you see any similarities between like his rise and Obama's rise, like with like what they were talking about and like, you know, kind of that everybody come together type of thing? Was there any similarities between them two? Let's let me think. Boy, uh, as I can recollect, they went ex- indirectly. They were talking about the same thing, but not to me direct. Okay. Uh, Obama came on the scene saying that what was his famous word? Change um, hope. Yes. But yes, same yes, thing, we can. Yes, we can. Yeah. Now. King was saying the same thing indirectly. They were indirectly saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. But and some direct words was the same. Did you did you like what about Malcolm X though? 
<laughs> Did you like him? Or, you see, see, you smile when I say Malcolm X. It seemed like you like Malcolm X more than you like Dr. King. No, 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 no. Was he, was, do, do you remember like, were they really like saying different, because Malcolm X was in Chicago a lot with the, the, the Nation of Islam and Dr. King, he got hit with the brick right off Marquette Park. I know, I know, but uh, Malcolm X, I really didn't. You didn't like him? I didn't like him. <laughs> it's okay. We can be, he gone. He not going to hurt you. <laughs> But uh, that's because that's what everybody likes to they like to compare those two so much. It's like Malcolm X was too radical. And, you know, sometimes even with a person like Malcolm X who says you should fight back and you should do this. It's easy to say that when you got a bunch of people around you protecting you. But you you got to you can't you on Damon. You can't just be out there. You well, know? see, King then Dr. King then talk back. He he was non but he was nonviolent. Right. Right. So and he, Malcolm X was not. He was he was like shoot back. Yeah. yeah. Two different people, you know? Yeah. Uh and by the way, I did go to Memphis and see where he was that hotel, Lorraine Hotel. Mm -hmm. I got the opportunity to see the hotel and also the balcony that he was standing on mm. when he got shot. Yeah, it's um I went there once and it's like just Memphis still looked like nineteen sixty eight. Okay. Like it's still like if you look at you know how pictures are yeah. like brownish. That's what the city like. It looks even though it's 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 been updated, but the the city itself Let's still see. just feels like okay. that time period. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, the, but the, the hotel has been remodeled, I believe. It and, it has. They've cleaned they, it up. Yeah, they've done a lot in that area. But that energy just hit as soon as it, I look at it. That energy you think hits about me that. Okay. of like. That Dr. night King, and what yeah. was going on during that time. If you, if you, even if you pass by it, you get that feeling. That feeling rise yeah. up in uh -huh. you. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, it's 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 been so much history. You you so you've been around both world wars. You've seen Dr. King through his life and death. You've seen you've seen Chicago's just been at the center of everything. Really, with Black America, I feel like, and at this time, like you got married at eighteen, and you were raising, you went on to raise how many kids? I six. Six kids. Mm -hmm. So you're raising kids in this city that offers a lot of opportunity for good and bad, mm -hmm. right? So, how did you see? Did you ever feel like, you know, I just want to go back to Mississippi? Okay. Did you ever feel that as you saw certain things in the city? Did you ever feel like you wanted to just return back to the South? Well, you know what? I never thought I wanted to no, that didn't strike me to go back to Leo because we had it hard in, in the South. Okay. Uh, um, we was farmers. We lived in a deep South, the Delta, as they call it. Mm -hmm. And um, it was shacks, houses with shacks. Okay. Pumps. Mm. Uh, outdoor did, plumbing. Yeah, outdoor uh, plumbing. Yeah. None of that was inside, so it was hard. Uh, many times I could sit in my bedroom and look out and see the the pump, the pump where we pump water holes in the house and tin top roofs, mm -hmm. you know. So and crops, gathering crops when it's 
and we didn't have the opportunity to go to school at one point because we had to gather the crops out of the fields. So you you were sharecropping? Yes. Oh wow. Yeah. I didn't I didn't know I didn't know if that crossed over. Yes. A lot of people say like slavery and shit. That was so long ago. Like no, I'm sitting with somebody who. Yeah, I was a sharecropper. My oh. father was sharecropping. What what does sharecropping mean? Because I I've heard that. What does that mean? It's still slavery, pretty much, right? Pretty much it is because share share means to give mm-hmm. or to share okay. crops. Crops is what you plow the land, plant your corn and your cotton and whatever else you're going to raise your vegetables. At the end of the year, the white man took it all because he was the... The boss. It ain't, it's it's unfair sharecropping. It's Un- unfair. Unfair sharecropping. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it was, that's what, that's what I mean. Like, even in that thing with like, where they, it's called one thing, even though they doing the same thing as was done before. It was still slavery. In a sense, it was. Because yeah. uh, my dad, for instance, we had to, we had, uh, had to pick cotton, mm-hmm. take it to the gin which mm-hmm. a lot of youngsters don't know what they is, probably don't know. And he had to have so many bales of cotton in order to get so much money. Right. At the end of the year, the boss, the white man in the White House, took it all. That, that kept him having to go back the next year and raise another crop because he couldn't afford to move. He didn't have money. It was just enough to stay where you at. They were loan my daddy money for to, for the next year, so he got to work it off. Right. He was always working it off, never got it. So he decided to leave there and come up north. It make me mad just thinking about like, it now. It's so true. But yeah. it's, it's, it's like it, it was the other option. Thankfully, he got to go to Chicago, but you know, if you try to fight back and they're like, well, you get hung. Um, yeah. Down south, while I was there, there were some young guys got hung in trees. Oh. Yes. So you, saw, you claimed, saw the bodies? No, I'm glad I didn't. They claimed that that young boy said something to a white lady, a white girl. Mm-hmm. And they don't ask no question. They take her words. Don't for ask it. no question. And when you know a thing, somebody will see you hanging up in a tree. Now, I didn't see this. Mm. I heard it. Oh, it was true. <laughs> Some things that was that was that, that was, was in um, the deep south. They didn't allow us to do that. To now, I used to speak to a little white girl. We were the same age, but when she turned thirteen, I had to say Miss. Ooh. Well, that was facts. This is facts. And this, you even though were you older than her? Or the same no, age? we were the same age. I was thirteen. You had to call her Miss Peggy. Yeah, Miss but she Alice. didn't say Miss Cooper. No. I had to say Miss. Her. her, her, her name changed. <laughs> she got a, she got a promotion. Yeah, I didn't. I got a demotion. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, you, you. That's one of the main reasons why I want to have you is because, like I say, people act like these things happened two hundred, three hundred, four hundred no, years ago. No, no, like no. no, this is people are still alive who had yeah. to persevere mm-hmm. and be smart about how they move. Is a means of survival, you know. So today, people are like, oh, well, you, you know, you cooning for the white man, or you doing this for the white man. It's like, no, I'm just trying to survive because I got kids at home, I got family, and I don't want to be strung up on a tree. 
strange fruit, as Billy Halliday called it. Um, one thing from my experience, as long, you know, cause our memories go back so far, but I remember for the longest you being a working woman though, and you were at the post office as, well, just tell us about working at the post office. When that started. Okay. When I first started working at the post office, I was in a janitorial department. Um, you remember what year that was? Oh, wow. <laughs> well, I mean, at least give me the decade. Uh, okay. 60s, 70s. Okay. Um, I was working at the post office. Um, let me say this, and I know this, <laughs> and, and, and people from the South have a habit of saying this. You remember when so-and-so was so-and-so? Uh, that's yeah. when I was there. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, Let no, yeah. This. Give us some context. It was yeah. during the time Nixon was president. Okay, so that's 68. About. Yeah, when I first started, because the reason I remember Nixon, because he cut my, he didn't give me my raise because he had phase one and two. And I was supposed to get a raise and they phased it out. They phased. They came up with phase one and two and Black three. people get the phase first. That's yeah. the only time we first yeah. is when it's, <laughs> it's cuts. cuts us. I was so upset. I was mad. <laughs> but how did you, how did you even, because that's one of those good government jobs. How did you even go about getting a nice Post office job. Okay, my sister worked at the post office. Miss Jones, um, Agnes Jones. Mm -hmm. She got all of us applications. Okay. And um, mail handles at that time was so hard. It was too hard. I couldn't pass it. Okay. And so I asked her to get me a, a janitor work, a job. So she brought the application there. And I filled it out and I, I passed it. Hey. Uh-huh. <laughs> Cheers. And I, that's where I started at the post. I started in the janitorial section. Then I moved up to the inspection department. Mm -hmm. And that's where I retired from the inspection department. Is that security? That's, uh, I was in, the, but they call it not part of the post office at that point. They call it, you going into the inspection department, but you're working at the post office. Got you. As okay. a um, security personnel. Okay. Mm -hmm. Man. Okay. So, cause you know, I always, <laughs> I think I only asked once. But I was just told she was a security guard. So I thought she was just just protecting the mail all these years with a gun. Now, we went to, uh, we had been called to Oklahoma City. There was something going on there. I went to Oklahoma City for training. Mm. I stayed there three weeks, which wasn't very long for the training, That the things that I had to do. But I had on-the-job training once I got home. And there were times when we were called to go to another town because or city because there were things going on that we may have to use our gun. Oh, okay. So this was serious business. Yeah. And um, one of our officers got shot, got killed at the post office on one of the posts that I had to stand, mm -hmm. which I was afraid, but I had to do it. So You had to yeah. do what you had to do? One of our officers got shot at in the... Dutch room inside of the post office. By another postal worker? No, by another person that was seated not too far from them shot this woman. Uh -huh. And they were seated getting lunch. So our job was almost almost as dangerous as the police jobs are on the streets. Oof. I didn't know that. So it wasn't just it wasn't just, <laughs> you weren't yeah, moving the mail with your gun. Yeah. You actually had to protect yourself. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. 
All right, we're going to take another break here before we go into the final segment here on uh, Classic Black Dude, who's Clark Jones series with my grandmother, Nettie B. Porter. We're talking about just, it's hard to do in an hour, but we're going through uh, the, the main points from, 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 what was the city in Mississippi? It'll be the Mississippi. It'll be the Mississippi. It'll be the Mississippi to the west side of Chicago. Uh-huh. And we're going to talk about uh, moving to the south side of Chicago. Um, for the past 30 some years. We'll be right back. Hello and welcome back to Classic Black Dude with your host Clark Jones, aka Pot Strickland, talking about all of black history in 45 minutes. <laughs> with my grandmother, who is a native now, been on the South Side for 40 years, about 40. What was uh what what sparked that move from from the west side to the south side? When we first moved, my oldest son was about 10 or 11 years old. We moved to the um projects on uh, 43rd in um Lakeshore Drive. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's yeah. where we were living. Uh-huh. When we first moved from the west side, Really? That was about 1970-something? Yeah, because Jerry was uh, around 11, 10 or 11 years old. Okay. So that's like late 60s. Uh-huh, when we made okay. the move. So we moved there and the projects. It was nice when we first moved. Nice, warm building, you know. Of course, we didn't think of how many folks was in that building. We just yeah. thought of a nice apartment, warm and all that. But as the years passed, it got a little dangerous living there. People start shooting and all of that. So we decide to buy a house. My husband and I decide to buy a place for our children. Mm. So that's when we, first we moved to a rented apartment. Okay. And by me having six children, the landlord wasn't too pleased because they say children tears up, they draw children, and they didn't want other kids coming around. So we said, well, we're going to work hard and save money and buy a house so our kids can have a decent place to live. And so that's how we happened to get this place where we are now. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then most of, the, uh, most of the kids went to either DeSable or Calumet, right? Uh, they went to, um, some went to Calumet. Mm-hmm. And as they, no, as they... They went to Scott Joplin. As they got older, yep. then they went to a great increase. They went mm. to Cayman. Cayman High School uh-huh. on 83rd. Right over here, yeah. Aberdeenish. Yeah, somewhere over there. Uh, was, what was your, as a parent in the, raising kids in the 70s in the south side of Chicago, what was your biggest concern when your kids went out into the world? At that time, I was working at the post office at night. My biggest concern was whether they was going to do what I asked them to do or they was going to go out the house and uh, get into some trouble, which that happened. Yeah. That happened. And um, I had to, my second son, he got into a fight when he wasn't supposed to be out in the street and he got stabbed in his wrist. And all I could do was just to drive home. Mm. I couldn't hardly drive home. My oldest son, 
got shot in the side. This is on the south side or the west side? He got shot on the west side. On the west side, okay. Uh-huh. And by the way, yeah, we were living on the west side when he got shot. Okay. But when the you know, second son got stabbed, we was living here. And all I could do was just drive home because I'm thinking all kinds of stuff going on. When I got here, I noticed it wasn't as bad as it was when they called me and told me. So, mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, they got involved with the wrong crowd, even here. Um, my youngest son got involved with the wrong crowd and started doing things he had no business doing. Causing the neighborhood wanted to um, protest and get me out of the neighborhood. They were trying to get you out of here. Yeah, they did. They took me to court and said that I was uh, upholding my kids in their wrongdoing. Mm -hmm. And I went to court. And when I came, when I, when my turn to come before the judge, after everybody had presented their case, and the judge asked me, what happened, I told them that I worked nights and that I didn't uphold wrongdoing in my family. I said, but now if they want me to move, they pay the mortgage note and I'd be delighted to move. I'll move, but it's going to cost you. Cost so the jury said he took his gavel and hit the desk and said, case dismissed. Mm. Mm -hmm. I had no idea. I know. They was trying to get us up out of here. And you had to. Everybody said Sam next door. Oh, yeah. He was the only one who. Sam said he didn't have no part in it. But all these people from all over. Mm -hmm. And he had to take time out of your day. Yeah. Go to court. Mm -hmm. Now, did that. Let's just be honest on the show. Design the show. Did, did that change? The kids, did they did they take that and say, "All right, let's let's get our act together"? Um, At that time, I ain't saying what they started doing, whatever. I'm just saying, like mentally, did anybody? Well, my girls, they were good girls, but I had one son that he just did what he wanted to do regardless, mm -hmm. and he stayed in trouble. Mm -hmm. At that time, thankfully, life. Life saves us. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we got a lot of black listeners on the show. And Christian life and God is a recurring theme. And, you know, you don't know when or why, just like God calls us home when he decides to. Right, he also true. spares us when he decides to. There's people who've left us but and done less. My Uncle Charles, he stopped in as a live guest on the show. <laughs> Reverend Charles Redmond, you can catch him, uh, his Facebook sermons every Sunday while we on quarantine. But um, make sure y'all check that out on Facebook. But we're just discussing. You don't know when you're going to be spared. You don't know when it's, when it's, when it's your time. Amen. But, um, you know, when you do have the, the honor, you try to make the most of your life. That's true. And, and. God has always been very present in our family. Even I tell people, people ask me, was I raised in church? And I was like, a lot of people, adults now who don't like church or they don't believe anymore, they all have the same story where they were shamed or 
made to feel bad. I don't think we ever, I was ever made to feel bad if I didn't go to church. It was just like, well, your family there, your friends there, God loves you. Like, why wouldn't you want, you gonna, it's going to be food, <laughs> you know, like it's all these good things. So I'm thankful. The reason why I still have a relationship with God is because it was never, um, I was never talked to like anything. It, I was just never made to feel guilty. It was just like, go where you are loved, right? It's music there. And our family has a talent for music, comedy, uh, just being on the microphone, period. Now, I, from what I've seen, that mostly came from our granddaddy. The, the, but would you, what would you, where did the musical and even I do comedy, where, where did that come from? Your side or granddaddy? <laughs> Okay, let's start from my husband's side, which is your granddaddy. Yeah. He could really sing. Yeah. Uh-huh, he could really sing. I mean, he just could sing, okay? Mm-hmm. And he sung in church. Oh, he had his moments out of church, but um, it's amazing how he got in church. So I won't <laughs> oh. tell that story, but... How did he get in church? That's a good story. <laughs> how did he get in church? Well, when he first... Okay, I was always, I was brought up in church. Mm-hmm. And so I started going, I joined the choir on 51st and State Street. And I was singing the choir. Every Friday was rehearsal night. Every Friday he'd be drunk. <laughs> <laughs> so I try to wake him up and let him know that I'm finna leave. Because he had to stay with the younger kids. But I couldn't, so I would go. But when he did wake up, I'd be gone. When he when I come back, he'd be awake and he accused me of going to see someone. Mm. So what I told him, next time I go, come go with me, then you would know for yourself. Well, being the kind of man he was at that time, he would use profanity, I'm going, sis, I'm going. So he yeah. started going to church. Just, just to keep an eye on me. you. Yeah. And that's how he started. Mysterious ways. Yes. God worked. <laughs> And he was a deacon, yeah. and he could sing, too. He was a choir member. He was a director of the choir. Yes. They they made him different. I mean, he, you know, back then you had to do so many. He would sing. He would uh, cook. He would, uh, I, I just know he, I just remember Granddaddy having the truck with all the tools on Yes, he could, well, a plumber. You had to, in the plumb, you had to know how to use your hands and be as useful as possible, as they would say. Well, he retired. When he retired, he used to work at um, work way out on Grand Avenue at um, I think it then with Long Chevrolet or something. Mm. He used to work at this car place, and when he and he was good with his hands anyway. So when he retired, he bought him a truck and got these tools, and he did plumbing. Yeah. <clears throat> and then he would take my uh, my oldest son, and that's how my oldest son learned plumbing and electricity by watching his dad and uh. His uncle, which is my brother, that yeah. before he passed. That's how Jerry learned all those. How to, yeah, how to, yeah. And he also learned guitar. Played. Okay, how he learned guitar. When he was quite young, he was about 13 years old. My husband and I, which is his dad, we said, I always loved music because I used to take music when I was down south. Mm-hmm. I took it here in Chicago. I went downtown, took it. So my passion was music. So, I said, well, 
we gonna buy him a guitar, Jerry, a guitar. We did. We bought him a guitar, and we bought him a couple because a lot of time, couple of times, they got stolen from the house. People breaking into the house, but we bought him one, and we sent him to a man that would teach him how to play. And so he stayed there for a while. Then he came back home one day. He said, "Well, I know how to play as well as he do." And uh, he started playing. Mm-hmm. And there was a man called the house one evening asking my husband could Jerry play for them because mm-hmm. he played bass. And so my husband and I thought there was a church group. So we said, yeah, Jerry's about 14 or 15 then. And so when he came, we said, yeah, Jerry can go. Where is he going? We asked for the address. And when they left, my husband said, that's not, he said, that's a nightclub. That's not a church. <laughs> so we went over there. Yeah. At that time, they had what they call shake dancers. Yeah. They still Women, got them. Okay. They still doing that? <laughs> they still shaking. <laughs> Jerry being a little boy. Yeah. With, among all those grown men, he was playing. He was playing. That one was all up in his face. So my husband said, look, when this, 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 whatever you call it is over. You got to go. So mm. we brought him home. <laughs> okay. But, I mean, he at that point, he introduced <laughs> to uh, uh, that life. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, it's hard once you see that, then you're like, oh, that's and what's out there. playing with a group. Yeah. And his main friend got killed. Mm. And after that, he stopped playing for church groups. Right. And he's with the Wings of Heaven still, he right? No, he with Marguerite Gatlin. Marguerite Gatlin, yes, uh, she he played for the. He's been playing for her for years. Okay. She grew up in Greater Shallow as well. One thing, because you know, he brought up, and it's just a reoccur. It's a it's a thing that is happening a lot this year, and it happens. You know, with black folks, we have all these diseases that just hit us, on top of the stress that um, accelerates. If you got a condition. And you black, it's like all these things just go faster, you know, and it hits us so hard. I mean, 85 is a blessing. 85 and beyond is a blessing. But one thing, I've, I've maybe once, I think I've only seen you cry once. And I was just wondering from a strength perspective. Because so many people tell me, hey, Clark, you know, all the things you've been through in the past year, you're just so strong. You're just so strong. And you learn strength from people that you see. And I'm just wondering, where do you, where would you say you get your strength from? Okay. um, Can I start with, um, first of all, it's Jesus. Okay. Okay. I'll start with, um, now this is not the first time I had stress, but this is the first time that. I've had this much stress. It started with my one of my daughters, and then your mom, yeah. and then your brother. If I hadn't had God, the Spirit of God in me, and I asked him to give me strength to go through what I have to go through with, to bring peace to my mind. And believe me, he did that, and he's still doing it. I have God in my life. If I didn't have God in my life, I'm going to tell you, I don't know what would happen. That don't mean I didn't cry. But he gave me the strength to go from day to day, night to night, 
without just losing it. Now, sure, there are times when I break down, I may cry for a minute or two. But my strength comes from God. Your strength comes from God. You may not understand that, but it does. Everything we have comes from God. It can be a negative or a positive because God is the God of all. Now, God give, God allows things to happen. And we call it, and let me set an example. Uh, I'm going to call uh, Miss Doe. Okay, she may go out there and party and all of that. Well, we'll say, well, she's doing what the devil tells her to do. Well, she's not serving God, she's serving the devil. But God, through his permissive will, he allows us to do that, her to do that. Because if he didn't, she wouldn't. He could take her out. God is the God of all. He could take her out and she wouldn't do it. He could stop her, but we won't get too deep in that. But mm -hmm. God, through his permissive will, he allowed you to do wrong things. And you right. know it's wrong. But he gave us free will. Yes. When I say permissive, that mm -hmm. means he don't like sin, but he loves you. Right. Okay, he don't like the sin you're doing, but he loves you, but he allows you to do that. He gives us a choice. We choose what we want to do, but even choosing what we want to do, if God didn't allow us to do it, we wouldn't do it. We couldn't do it. I think I think about it. I think about it like uh, like when I played basketball mm -hmm. in eighth grade, right? You know. We'll see, we see all the people putting up shots. We see people dunking. We see people dribbling and doing all the, that's what get all the attention. Mm -hmm. And all, that's what everybody likes to see. But sometimes coach will say, okay, Clark, I need you to just go in there and rebound. Mm -hmm. That's all I need you to do. Go in there and rebound because that's going to serve the greater good for us to get the victory. And I say, okay, coach, I get in there. But ain't nobody clapping for rebounds. And I start shooting. And coach pulled me out. Like, all right, I'm going to let you go in one more time. But I'm telling you, Clark, this is what I need you to serve the purpose for the bigger picture. Because mm -hmm. that's what's going to get us the victory. I need you to go in there and rebound only. Don't try to shoot. All right, coach, I'm going to go in. I'm going to shoot. I mean, I'm going to rebound. I ain't going to shoot. I promise. Just give me one more chance. I go back in, get a couple rebounds. I don't get the claps. So I try to shoot. I'm like, but we win it. But he's like, that's not what I told you to do. And we never know. When coach is going to pull this out that last time mm -hmm. and say, you just sit next to me. Because mm -hmm. when he, when, he when he would pull me out the game, he would say, just sit next to me. Sit right. See, I need you to get closer to me and hear me and also see the game, too. So you understand why I'm telling you this is your purpose. All Yeah. The shooters get all the claps and all the people talk about that, but that's what they practice. All we can practice, you've been rebounding. So why when the game comes? You trying to shoot and do these things you don't know how to do. Whenever I get out there and I believe more in my own will and not the vision that he's given me, I get pulled. And I think about life. I think about, you know, times where I've been in places I wouldn't. We've all been. I don't care how holy you are. You've been in a place. You weren't supposed to be because you was more in your ego or more in what you wanted to do instead of what you either practice or what the voice 
has told you to be. Because there's a voice, even if you're a non-believer, there's a voice, your conscience. You go against your conscience because you think that's what's better. But you're not prepared for certain things. And I go, whew, thank God for pulling me out of that one. I ain't going to do nothing like that again. Never again. If you pull me out of this situation, I promise I'm only going to rebound. How many times? How many times are you going to tell God I'm only going to rebound like you told me? He can say, all right, go ahead, one more shot. Sometimes you don't know when that last time he going to pull you out the game. That's true. That's not promised to you at the beginning. It's not told to you. It's not. It's not in a book anywhere. It might be that last time. All right. And then you seeing the, the, the clock going down. You're like, oh, I'm not getting back in this game. And you just got to deal with whatever you did while you were given the opportunity to serve your purpose, whether you listened or not. It's true. Mm-hmm. And all these things has happened since, the, I mean, I've found myself having to grow up, even though I was already grown. But I've had to grow up even more so really, really fast and still am. And I thank God for the ability to put things in perspective. Because they're, they're like you said, they're low moments where I'm just like, I don't see a purpose because I only knew things to be one way. I only knew things to be with my mom here, my brother here. And that's why I encourage everybody to listen, my family. All my loved ones, other, you know, people who believe, people who feel like there's no answers. And you and I have even talked about therapy in different ways. um, Because any voice is telling you that there's no hope isn't the voice. That voice ain't coming from the God that I know. And this isn't. And I only only talk about it in a way that it was taught to me. It was never taught to me like. Go to church or you're going to hell forever. I was never, I wasn't given that lesson. I was told that the wages of certain activities can lead to death faster. And it's a blessing when, you know, I even look at my mom's life and she was able to get all of her affairs in order and say, okay, I need to do this. I need to do that. Like, that type of direct communication from the higher power that that keeps me going because that was that was told to me that it's a blessing when you can say well i don't know exactly when the hour the minute the second but it's approaching and i can do whatever i can for my my loved ones and my children i know that uh i was spoiled to have the mom that I had. And she's still here. I know that a lot of people don't have that. So, and the grandmother that I have. <laughs> I don't want to leave you out. <laughs> I'm spoiled. But I don't, I use that as an opportunity to take that love, to take that peace, to take that, uh, that careful watch. I learned from my family how to love another person. And sometimes when you want to do whatever you want to do, you know, she was like the assistant coach, <laughs> you know, like when the person get pulled out the game and the assistant coach talks to him, like, Hey, you got to listen to the coach. You know, you can go get back in and this. that. My mom was like the assistant coach. Guy was the coach. My mom was the assistant coach. 
telling me to listen to the culture. You're not going to play. So I'm thankful for that. Um, anything you just want to say to people about from your years of experience, like how to deal with all these things going on? How do you, what do you, what do you remind yourself? You mean deal 